I just make noises. Like I make. Have you? Are you? Did you ever play Excite Bike? Excite Bike. I never played Excite Bike. I don't know what that is. It's a Nintendo video game. It's one of my favorite. It's the first time where you're able to like create your own course. Okay. But it's really fun. But like your your motorcycle, you drive a motorcycle, and it's like regular speed and then turbo speed. And if you go turbo for too long, it goes red. But it like goes, <laughs> and then when you drive turbo, it goes, <laughs> and then if you get in the red, it's like, ah! like so. Like sometimes. Was this just, a a console game? Was this a PC deal? This, this is a Nintendo and regular okay. Nintendo. Probably, literally, probably, I would say one of the most popular. Uh, I'd say one of the top ten most popular Nintendo games, like original Nintendo games. Okay, I had Duck Hunt. Duck Hunt, yeah. I had the little gun thing, and we had a Super Nintendo. We had both. Each of my moms had one. Yeah. The, weirdly, the old well, actually, perfectly, the older of the two had a Nintendo, and the other one mm -hmm. had a Super Nintendo. And it used to make me really mad because my bio mom uh, never she I, I wanted like an Xbox or a PlayStation when I was a kid. I got yeah. a, a PSP and a raffle. I won it. And all it cost was the price of the raffle ticket, so she couldn't, like, get mad that I had that. But I asked mm -hmm. for, like, a proper console, a, a bunch, and she's like, it's not that we can't afford it. It's that I don't believe in it. I don't... <laughs> but, they had, but they had Nintendos and Super they, Nintendo. She was addicted to the Super Nintendo, according to my other mom. Is that part but, of the reason why? I think... I think what freaked her out was the online stuff. Sure. And the fact that a lot of the video games I seem interested in were like violent. And she sure. was just a she was just a Donkey Kong queen, my mom. Sure. She just liked that. But my and they had the original Star Wars Super Nintendo where it's like you're you're fighting the Sarlacc pit. Yeah, super, super Star Wars. Super Star Wars, yeah. They were like so, yeah, they're all called Super Star Wars Super I I have well, that maybe on my PlayStation. There we go. My other mom would say she like every day she would come home from work and play like two hours of Super Nintendo. So she's got oh, yeah. no fucking room to. But this is what happens when your parents split up, Spencer, is that they 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 find contradictions in one another and use you in the middle as like a, you know, a little. This sounds way worse. Sure. My childhood wasn't that bad. Um, no, 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 I hear you. No, it's OK. Did you know that we were in it? Did you know that I was rec I started recording. recording right before you talked about the bike thing? Oh no, I didn't. Seamless. I, should, I, I would I have just I showed been you. more funny about it. I would have put I would have put a little more a little more pizzazz on my excite bike story. No, this is good. This is I like this. This is good starts. This is good. This is good meat. So, Spencer Lauks, we got on we got we we got on murder casserole. This is murder casserole, Spencer. Hi. Welcome. I, yeah. Murder casserole. Murder casserole. This is a true crime podcast, kinda. We're gonna talk yeah. about murder. We're gonna we're gonna talk about the killings and the murderies and the dismemberments of all kinds. Pretty much, but we're gonna be loose. Mm -hmm. Gonna be loose like a mother yeah. goose. I don't know. Um, no. So, but but I want to start. I just want to. I would just want to chit chat. We'll get into the murder. We'll get into it. But I want to chat with you for a few minutes. So you, I know you from doing stand up in Iowa City primarily, 
but you don't you 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 write screenplays you're a screenwriter you do other you act you do other shit what do you what do you what did you do what have you done what are the hits tell me what about the hits <laughs> tell me i don't know i write stuff <laughs> you had a really I great cartoon that. i went and saw at the mill Thank how'd you, you make yeah. a cartoon we did we made a cartoon called c dot we're gonna make a longer one we're gonna make a longer pilot episode Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Hopefully it'll be between 12 to 20 minutes. And um, I, I think it'll be, I've got the the rough draft. Well, I shouldn't even say the rough draft. I have like the sixth or seventh the, draft. The of rough draft. draft? The rough draft. Because it's, um, it's dogs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, it is. And, but, and, and I'm just, I'm just kind of shortening it up and I've just been tired and I, I just was diagnosed with like a vitamin D deficiency a few like a month ago. Oh God! And uh, at <laughs> a B twelve, no and like the vitamin D one was bad, where it was like, uh, like, uh, like I was B, it was B twelve and vitamin D. The B twelve one, like when they when you're able to like look at the lab results, was just yeah. like was within the range, but it was like listed as low. Uh-huh. But like, but it was all in the same text, like okay. font and text. The vitamin D one was like bright red like you like you're supposed to be the range i don't know what the what it's measured in but it's supposed to be between 30 to 100 and mine was at 11. oh Uh, and i've had just like really bad brain fog the last like couple years and have had energy things so i was like i'm hoping that that's 100 what everybody tells me about vitamin d and have you had covid yet did you get covid i got covid at the end of september uh yeah and that, yeah, was first, was, that was the first the first time I like tested positive for it at least. Yeah. Was that gnarly for you? Um the first day or two <clears throat> was like my I hurt real bad and yeah. Uh and I was cough the cough was what sucked because the cough stayed with me for like for probably a couple months. Like yeah. everything else like I had a really bad fever the first day or two and my body hurt. And then after like two days then I felt kind of fine. The cough happened. And then after my smell went away, once I started to kind of feel better, that's what was weird. Or maybe I just, yeah, that's kind of was my experience with the taste and smell thing too, but it was a very quick turnaround. I don't remember it coming back. It was just kind of one day I thought about it. I think melody, Mm -hmm. my wife asked, she's like, can you smell and taste again? We were eating when she asked, I went, Oh yeah, I can. Like it was a total afterthought. But the reason I ask is because I had a, a cousin of mine who seems relatively knowledgeable about things was like, you got to take your vitamin. He scared me into being like getting really into vitamin D and taking like supplements for it. Sure. That's yeah. Excuse me. Um, because he was like, he's like all the people that I've noticed who have died from COVID have had, like, that's been a common thing is having a vitamin D deficiency. Um, cause yeah, I don't know if that's legitimate. He's not a fucking doctor. Um, he's just, he's just my cousin, but that, like, I I didn't know if this is like an RN, like a nurse or something. Or if you it's know, just your I feel like I like heard something father. else about that. I asked my one of my closest friends who is a nurse, like, what is, you know, what are you noticing with people who die from COVID? What's wrong with them? And he's like, yeah. don't be fucking fat and old. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, sick. Uh, and he's sure. like, honestly, you under 280 pounds and under the age of 60, you're probably fine. 
yeah. and that's not always the case obviously sure Wait, i don't yeah, know i don't want to talk about covid why'd you no, do that's, this that's, you brought you brought you, it up but you brought up your health issues i did well and so... what they well also though because i had like a septoplasty and uh um, yeah in july you got a septum and, like, piercing. and my nose hurt really bad yeah. and i was on steroids uh prednisone and i and it's funny because i like typed in like after i got the vitamin d deficiency like i was like what how does this happen sometimes and one of the things that was listed was like there was like four medications and prednisone Ooh. was one of the ones listed and i was like ha ha so i think that that could have had something to do with it and, I, and since yeah. and after my surgery like i wasn't really i always used to drink a lot of milk and uh dairy stuff and i wasn't really and i and and so i wonder if obviously that's where you know primarily yeah. if you don't go outside very often that's like you got to get vitamin D from milk. Why don't you go outside more often? Or well, you know, I go outside, but I like black out my windows to like sleep and stuff like that. So it's yeah. like I'm not any of the sunlight. Maybe you should yeah. just invest in some sleep masks because I bet you could still get vitamin D in through your face. Yeah, because you don't take it through the eyes, do you? That's if if so, I've been doing it. Vitamin right. D. Yeah. I do. I've just been I taking the supplements in my mouth. If I'm they come in like, gummies, but I put them in the blender and then I just just pour it into your eye. Yeah, See. I just open all. I, I well everywhere. I open all my holes on my face. All of your pores. All of your all just marks. everything. So I open. I go ocular cavities, my no, my nostrils, and I just let it go. I've been having to put drops in my dog's eyes because uh, the the. The weather out here, the climate or the allergens or whatever make his eyes like seep, like eye boogers bad. Yeah. And then occasionally, because he's a poodle mix, he's got those really like, he's got like a third eyelid, like mm -hmm. inside of his ocular bone. So mm -hmm. that'll get puffed up and irritated in just one of his eyes and he can't see out of it. And it's the saddest thing ever because he looks like yeah. a little 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 pound dog and in reality he's a bougie fucking canine sure. he's, a, he's a golden doodle you're not supposed to get these ah. defects with a with a bred dog like but the eye stuff is because the poodle right because i had the eye stuff is it yeah and and, and his it gets all like brown like brown and gunky under yeah eyes. well it, it's yeah. like it looks like pus but it's not i i looked it up this i do i have an uncle who's a vet and i do call him when i get freaked out that's a legitimate sure. thing he's sure. a veterinarian um back home and then he but, calls you when he needs a a, a, a comeback one-liner to somebody yes, he doesn't when like. when he needs to because he's a small town vet he does farm animals so when he needs to like go and put down a cow you know he, he tells me and i'm like oh you know you should go you should say huh we should have steered away from the scurvy and then oh. you shoot him in the head with the little oh. with the little that cow is utterly cow. utterly the worst joke i've heard all day oh. See, you did it better. I'm gonna give him your number. Uh, right. How do you put down? What do you do? They like euthanize a cow, like with with uh, fluids, or do they? Just, there's like, many. Slip? I'm sure there's many ways to do it. I'm not sure, but I I think I remember him saying this. I might have made this up, but I. Or is the No Country for Old Men thing? Because that's what I, that's that is for. a legitimate thing. Because what that is yeah. is a little pin. I just yeah. thought it was air. It's a pin. Yeah, it's so a pressurized pin, pin that just in, and then it sucks right? it out. Uh, and he describes it in the movie. I just watched that movie again because I was sick like the other day. I was home from work and uh, I was like, I decided to watch that because it was on. And uh, yeah, I was like, oh, he fucking describes what that thing is in the movie. And I've just thought it was compressed air that's been de that dented that dude's head so bad it killed him. Yep. That's yeah. not 
I feel dumb. It's a little but, slidey, uh, slidey. Little, it's like, like a trombone. Yes. And uh, but that's cool. I don't know. Uh, no, he, 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 my uncle once said to me though, he goes, uh, yeah, uh, he's like, um, go out to all these farms and work on these farm animals. But a lot of times farmers don't, you know, tell, you know, they're, they're, they're hesitant to call the vet because, you know, they don't really care if there's something wrong with an animal. So by the time usually I get there, there's nothing I can do except put the steer down or whatever. And I went, oh, that's really sad. He's like, yeah, I use a bullet more than I use any other veterinary instrument. And I'm like, that's <laughs> kind of hard, though. Like, I love that. It's kind of probably a cost issue, probably. You know, bullets like a 10 cents or whatever, whereas bullets have gotten a lot more expensive, actually. I, I, I don't know. I don't have know. you ever shot a gun? Never. Really? I mean, well, what do we what what do we count as a gun? Like a real gun? A gun? firearm that fires bullets. No. I didn't think we had to code this. Like, I, if a I would have meant a paintball gun, I, n- no, motherfucker. Like, if, if I, don't I was talking I about a Nerf gun, gun, I would have said a Nerf gun. I'm pretty, which is crazy, because I'm really good at gun and laser tag and gun. Like, I love I, laser tag. That translates, yeah. Love laser tag so much. Uh, it's fun. You should I, go out. There's a range out in, outside of Iowa City. You should just go and get uh actually don't um because you won't like it uh i might i, I think i would well you might like shooting guns but that range is sketchy as hell i got banned oh, okay. from that place sure. um that you is like that i got banned because we so uh fall of 2020 a couple of friends of mine uh when the race was called for biden we didn't plan it for that like but sure. when it was called there's like biden won we had plans that day to go out to this range and shoot some clay pigeons because my buddy had a, had a shotgun. So we were going to go out and just shoot some pigeons. And uh, so three of us went out there, and as we're getting ready to go, it's like a week and a half or like eight days or whatever after Halloween. So I've got these jack-o'-lanterns on my porch that are like rotting. And I was like, let's take those out and shoot them because it'll be cool and fun. You are not supposed to do that there. There was a bunch of people out at the range. I can only imagine it was a bunch of Iowa rednecks being like, God damn it, fucking fucking Biden, like just writing Joe on all their targets and blowing the hell out of them. So it was busy. It was also a very nice day. It was sunny out and everything. It'd be funny if it was a bunch of like green, but like, God, I can't believe Jill Stein did like, (laughs) you know how I would love it if it was just a bunch of Stein heads. Gun fanatics. Steiners. Um, I think Ben Stein should run for president. I would love to hear him in a debate. Isn't he dead? Did he die? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. You know, he was like a political advisor. I know. That's the whole thing in Ferris Bueller where he starts like talking about ghost politics and it's all people think it's boring, but he's like, I thought it was a very interesting subject. Voodoo economics, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. something weird like that. Uh, Yeah. But yeah, we we shot a pumpkin at the range and a park ranger showed up and said, you're not supposed to do that and banned us. Um, (laughs) Did they like take your information? Like. I I refused to give the guy my ID. I gave him my my library card, which didn't have my name on it. And then he said, give me your driver's license. And then I just said, I don't want to. And he's like, tell me your name. And I I, I said, it's Spencer Laux. Um, Sure. I said, it's Spencer Thomas Laux. Yeah. Um, Is that your middle name? You probably couldn't even pronounce my name in 2020. 2020? What? 
I knew Maybe. you before the pandemic, Spencer. Yeah, but but people didn't know how to people didn't know how to pronounce my name. I Your feel name's like not that complicated that people don't know how to. You make this. I agree, thing. but but people often do not know how to say my last name. Laux. So. Yeah, it's very easy. Yeah. All right, Spencer. Let's get into this murder. You want to get into the murder? Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. You didn't even tell me which one. That's because th- this was. I, I'm trying this thing where I'm gonna get. You, I'm gonna get the guests in. We're gonna be raw. We're gonna be raw with it. You know. We're gonna. I want you. I want you fresh. I don't want you knowing anything. But I got notes. I got notes. We're gonna get. Okay. We're not gonna go through all of them. But you. I'm okay. sure you're familiar with this because it's an Iowa case. I. I. I've had a feeling actually that because yeah. you mentioned you're like you'll know you'll be familiar. You'll but be. Familiar. And there was only one thing that I would assume it would be. So what do you think it is? I think it's the Velisca axe. Yeah, <laughs> good job. Yeah. It is the Velisca axe murders. We're talking about the. I wanted to talk about it because it's a it's a crazier story than just what people like in Iowa know about it. But I've never been to Velisca. You've said you. I read something. I think the reason I picked you for this is because you put something on Facebook. You're like, and I will never go to the Velisca house. Yeah, I mean, I would like maybe, that. but I have friends that have went, and there's things to. It's weird. I don't. Okay, here's my thing. Yes. And I feel the same way about a lot of haunted stuff where it's like either it's not real. So it's like pointless to be there because it's nothing you're going to buy. Or it is. And you're going to like anger the spirits and bad stuff might happen. Yes. I, I, I get that. I want it to be. See, I always think like, oh, if it's real. That'll be really cool to experience. It'll be scary, but it'll be cool. And then I think if it's not real, I go, oh, well, that's bad because then it's just like for profit, right? It's just somebody yeah. jacking up the price of the shittiest Airbnb in southwestern Iowa, you know. Uh, but it's a uh, – but yeah. I, I, but then at the same time, I kind of just like – if it's not real, I still think it would be fun for the experience because I've read a lot about this case. Okay, so it people is, don't know what we're talking about. This is not super oh, yeah, unknown. Let's, let's give some other... context. So this happened way back in uh, – so Spencer and I are both from, from the Hawkeye State. Uh, so this is a case that is fairly well known back home. In Iowa, it happened in 1912. In June of 1912, in the very small town of Villisca, Iowa, there was a uh, a murder that happened overnight of an entire family. Uh, uh, eight people were murdered with an axe. Uh, it was the uh, the Moore family, so it was Josiah Moore and his wife Sarah, and their I believe. Let's see here, four of their kids. Uh, were all killed, and then unfortunately as well, this is the worst part, is that there was two kids, the day before the murders, there had been like a church picnic, and uh, Sarah Moore, the mother, was a very like prominent community member in the church, and her friends were friends with these two little girls, Lena and Ina Stillinger, and they uh, had asked if they could spend the night that night and have like a sleepover with the with the Moore kids, and the Stillinger parents agreed. So since yeah. they were in the house, those two little girls from a different family also got murdered, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty fucked up. Uh, it yeah. was pretty bad. So basically, you don't want to set up nineteen tw- like uh, set up the the time period. The time period. Like, well, the time. Model period... T's are model T's are flying off the shelves, and 
Uh, soon, Woodrow Wilson will be inhabiting the White House. 1912, uh, I believe it's Montgomery County, Iowa, a dry county. This is pre-prohibition, but you could not get a drink in Villisca, Iowa at this time. If that gives you kind of anything. There was a big, uh, very religious town, is my understanding of the thing. It was mostly like a Methodist town. Uh, and it was weird because the guy that kind of ended up getting accused of the crimes who did not commit them was a Catholic. And that was a scandal, um, yeah. or was some other kind of Christian. And that was yeah. a big deal. And there was no black people and no Jews. Um, well, it, was, it was probably, they think it's just a hobo who was like on the, oh, train. Yeah, I, I got the theory. Yes. It's a man from the tree. So Cause there was like other murders that happened. We're going to get to it. Like that are long. Okay. Sorry. I don't mean to. to no, get no, no, no. That. That's you're, you're very, you better researched on this than I thought, but this is good. Um, so what happened was, is, well, what I want to talk about, what made me want to talk about this case was that I read this really great book by uh, Bill James called the man from the train. And it is these, uh, because this case is kind of familiar because it was never, it has yet to be officially solved. Uh, nobody has been convicted for the, the murders of the Moore and the Stillingers. Uh, but uh, there was uh, – Bill James is an incredible writer. He, you would probably know him as the guy who, like, discovered Sabermetrics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, literally I was, I was, I was looking that up. I was looking that up because I was like, is that the Bill James that I know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. baby. So he kind of has this dual career of being a true crime-like theorist and a baseball-like analytics mathematician. Which is kind of cool, and I don't like him as much because he worked for the Red Sox. Um, but yeah. uh, I love his book. Uh, he has a book kind of on the nature of true crime called Popular Crime, which is highly recommended. You should. It's really long, but it goes fast, and it kind of just covers the entire history of why people like true crime and how it's not been a phenomenon attached to any time period. It's been everlasting. Um, sure. So uh, that's great. And then he came out with this new book a couple years ago. Man from the Train, which he researched with his daughter, I believe. So it's a it's a dual writing credit. And uh, basically, Velisca is a well enough known because of how brutal the crime was and because of the fact that it never got solved and what happened in the town after the murder. This murder fucked this town up and now is also kind of why anyone goes there at the same time. There's a weird kind of paradox to it. Yeah. Um, which is really interesting, and it plays into what another episode of this podcast will be that I planned out. Stay tuned, listeners. Sure. Well, and there was and there was weird stuff too, like yeah. other than the murder was like the with the there there was like all the the wind all the uh, mirror, mirrors were covered, yes. Yes. right? Yes, and things like that. And uh, so here's what we got. And he used so, the blunt, and it's like they're axe murders, but didn't he use the blunt end of the He used the blunt, axe? and so he flipped it around. So he's literally, he's do you, not... Do you think maybe he was, like, stupid? Where, like, at the end, he was all like, oh. Oh, he's stupid doing? as fuck, man. Like, he's, because I think he had to know on some level that the, like, the blade of an axe is not sharp enough to, like, puncture a skull. Like, it's really not. What happens is that it hits it hard enough and it cracks. So you can do that the same way with the other one, but then maybe it, maybe he got to a point where it was like not as much gore if you just bludgeon someone to death as opposed to hack them to death. He's sweet. He was squeamish. He was squeamish. He, this guy was not squeamish. He was, uh, because he did some gross stuff. 
So sure. basically, I didn't know if, the, if there'd be more blood or yeah, I don't know. <coughs> I think the blunt. I don't know. I'm getting over a bit of a cold myself, so I don't want to cough into Mike, but I did there. Um, but we're gonna do it. So uh, here's the deal: Josiah Moore was 43 in 1912, and he was a he was a farm implement salesman in Villisca. This is the 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 victim, the main victim, basically. Uh, well, I don't want to say that because I don't think this was the main victim. Well, uh, that makes it sound because like he's, he was the one because targeted. he's a white guy who's close to your close to your age and all the other murder victims. My college. If I my were to age, make a movie, uh, he would be to the my main. age. Then everyone else in the house. His wife was right? thirty. Was thirty nine. That's closer to age okay. me than forty three. I'm twenty seven. Oh, you asshole. He's I know. Closer to age well, than you. To you, you I, dick. Yes. You. Ageist. I agree. But you were saying he's like the main character. But I think that well, he's just not the like, main character. He's a guy. The head of the family. Well, this ties into why people like thought sure. that the murder. Why? What people in town oh, okay, thought of sorry. the murder. So he was a farm implement salesman, and okay. months before the murders happened, he basically had worked for this guy in town named Frank Jones. And Frank Jones, this sounds like a fake name, Joe Moore and Frank Jones. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. basically, he worked for this guy, Frank Jones, in town and uh, at his farm supply store and had left to start his own, kind of went out on his own. But Frank Jones was not as popular in town as Joe Moore. Joe Moore was considered like an extremely likable guy, if not a little cheap. People thought he was a little too miserly, but also all of the bad that mm-hmm. people said 10 times worse for Frank Jones. Frank Jones was kind of an asshole. He's kind of like fat cat. And Bill James talks about in the man from the train. He's saying, I'm not, I think the quote is I'm paraphrasing. He's like, I'm not saying he would have been the governor of Iowa if this murder had never happened, but probably, <laughs> um, I think his middle name was Fernando. His full name is Frank Fernando Jones. Um, so let's call him Fernando Jones. Frank Fernando Jones. Uh, but uh, basically, so this ended up being what some people would think would be a motive for the murder. But um, oh, get out of here, Zoom. Don't tell me to. <laughs> oh, I have 10 minutes left to get the, the Zoom thing. That's how long we've been talking already. Have they shortened it? That's weird. All right. Okay. No, that's okay. We're no, gonna that's get longer. It. I thought it was only a half an hour. Oh, maybe. Uh, but it must so... be 40 minutes. It must be 40. It must be because we've been going for a minute here. Uh, but anyway, so Sunday... June 9th, basically, there was a church fete. Sarah Moore helped set it up. All the kids hanging around. This was the whole thing. Also hanging around was this dude named George Kelly, who was a traveling preacher who had conducted some of the children's festivities, and he was an Englishman, uh, and he was creepy as fuck, basically. Uh, that's what we got to know about George Kelly. So um, what happened that night was that the Stillinger girls come over sometime over the course of the night. The killer breaks in, kills all eight inhabitants of the home, starting with the adults, starting with Joe and Sarah Moore, uh, kills them right in their beds, uh, then goes to all of the kids and butchers, bludgeons them all with, uh, like Spencer said, the the broad side of the axe, which, by the way, was owned by the Moore family. Uh, he didn't bring his own, which is unprofessional, if you ask me. Um, but uh, he killed everybody and then went down to the guest room, which was off the parlor, kind of like the living room, where the Stillinger girls were staying, and killed the two of them. And also, fair warning, this is gross, there was um, some evidence to suggest that at least one of those girls woke up 
in the middle of the thing. All the other uh, inhabitants of the house were, they theorized because they were laying in bed when they were found, were killed in their sleep. Which, honestly, if someone's going to break into your house and murder you, I'd rather be asleep. Uh, and just like not wake up and then it's just like, oh shit. All right. Boom. Like, it's kind of like the, the Amityville murders. That guy went around and killed his whole family with a gun and just shot him as they slept. And I'm like, you know, if you're going to, if that's, if you're going to get me, um, but there's evidence that imagine how horrific those dream, that dream would be for even a second. Or it's the best dream ever. That's why people are just like, oh, I'll go in my sleep because, because you can't see how they're reacting or how they're yeah. feeling. It's like when, it's like when they do uh like uh lethal injections where they're just like, yeah, uh, it's like, they're like, Oh, they're not moving. So it must not be painful. It's like, no, they're fucking sit- They're like paralyzed. No. Like, yeah, they for sure are injections... hurting, but they can't move. We'll get into it when we, uh, when the episode is forthcoming about John Wayne Gacy, um, uh, about how lethal injections are like, weirdly the the it's supposed to be seemingly the most humane but they're the it's the execution method that gets botched like the most um mm. and results in like extremely painful deaths for the condemned person it's a it's a how bad lethal injection is because I, I think the big thing is that it's always cheap shit that they use like cheap drugs and cheap equipment sure. and there can't be a doctor present because it violates the hippocratic oath because oh. it's do no <laughs> harm what do they get like a, a it's just guards no it's just it's, it's it literally guard. the history of executions in this country last podcast on the left did like a mini episode about just the history different execution methods throughout history and yeah. all the people who like were famous for running the electric chairs in this country were all just like electricians that sure. the, the prison was like hey you know how to do switches right <laughs> And they were yeah. like, all right, yeah. And a lot of them ended up becoming anti-death penalty kind of advocates. Sure. Or, uh, uh, with the exception of one. There's a great documentary called Crazy Not Insane on HBO where uh, this criminal profiler talks to a uh, executioner, I think in Louisiana, and he is has zero empathy about it at all. He's just like, sure. yeah, I tell my grandkids about it. They tell me zap them, grandpa. And I'm like, <laughs> Damn. Uh, that, that story about uh, about uh, the guy who's about to get electrocuted, and he goes, uh, "Well, this will teach me a lesson." <laughs> As I'm paraphrasing, Kurt Vonnegut was talks about it, where it's just like, uh, I don't know, I think that's funny. Have you heard the George Carlin thing? Like, uh, the, he's like, if you're going to be given a lethal, if they're put, executing you for lethal injection, you know what they do before they slip the needle in? They swab your arm with an alcohol wipe. Yeah. Because you'd hate to go to hell and get a cold, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. But uh, yeah, so gross part coming up real quick before we take a break so you get to sit with this, Spencer. Sure. Um, is that... Uh, Essentially what happened is, is there's evidence, like I said, that the Stillinger, one of the Stillinger girls woke up and because um, she was found kind of lying perpendicular across the bed with one mm-hmm. arm up and uh, she had defensive wounds on her arm. Um, and also the really gross thing is that uh, the way that Bill James paraphrases it is that he says this killer liked to um, desecrate the corpses. Uh, which essentially just means the, the, the well, the really gross thing is that, and they found out it was a pattern later. He went into the like ice chest of the house and took like 
grease from a slab of bacon. He took like bacon out, took grease mm-hmm. and like jerked off over the bodies. Hmm. Um, there was evidence to support that, uh, which has to mean come. Uh, yeah. So there was come everywhere. And just and then and bacon grease just like dripping from the and some bacon grease about. Well, I think it was either this crime or it was one of the other ones that was attributed to the same killer in the book. Well, we um, know he's not Jewish because that is not kosher. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what the what the Jewish rules are against murdering complete families with the blunt side of axes, <laughs> but I know you can't use pig grease to do it. No, that's not kosher. That is because they're they're dirty animals, is what they what's are. What's the word too? Yeah, what's the word? Uh, for, or what's the? I was, saying, I was thinking of the what's the Muslim word for kosher? But it's like for oh, um, not cool. I don't know. But it's like similar. It's a similar thing, right? Is it? Because you can't eat pork so. for a Muslim, right? Hold on. Yeah, no, pull that not... shit up, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I just typed in Muslim kosher. Uh, Muslim? <laughs> halal. Halal. Oh, okay. Wait, that's what that's... With I thought that was just a type of food. But, but Islam prohibits all intoxicating alcohols, liquors, wines, and drugs. Oh, so, and all of that is under the banner but I think, of halal? But I think halal also in, like involves... I, I don't know at all. Actually, I'm just going to shut up because I don't know. But I thought yeah, that we're, there, we're had, I thought there was a lot of overlap. I'm sure there is. There, I mean, yeah. I don't know. All of those, Judea. I don't know what. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna take your cue. Um, no, all you Jews and Muslims listening to the, <laughs> the, the murder casserole, comment in the comment sections on halal and kosherness. Send it out we to coexist to this. Send me your info to bulldogpodcast at gmail dot com. I want to hear from. My what the difference between the halal and kosher restrictions are. I'm so dumb. I really thought halal was just like a type of food. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I see. Well, you see it. Like I, I, I live in Portland now. Ah. There's a lot of food trucks everywhere. <laughs> so you thought it was so like a non- lot of them say halal you it was food. Like- I'm like, like, can I get some garlic halal on the side? No, I thought it was like saying like this is like uh, Italian, like (laughs) it's it's Italian food, it's halal food. Ah, like you thought halal is like a region in in Iraq, or or just a word that describes the type of food of Middle Eastern folk. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know what I won't do, Spencer? I won't act like I know more than I do. No, that's good. How about that? I'm glad. How about that? Khan, I bet you're jealous of what I of the meal I just had before our What meal did you have? I had high V meatloaf with a corn oh, casserole. Mm. The corn casserole is actually really good. Uh I bet it was and, and, high and macaroni meatloaf. and cheese that I I'm, I've got I'm holding on to some of the macaroni and cheese for later. You're holding is it all high V stuff? Yes. It's all from the buffet. Yes. Which is your which high V is yours in Iowa City? Are you the first Ave? Or? I go to the one. It depends on where I'm at because I usually go if I'm either after the uh, the gym or like when I'm by yeah. a coffee shop. So I'll sometimes go to the uh-huh. one that's out by Sycamore, but I also sometimes go to the one in Coralville. Yeah, usually... I um I do miss. Yeah, I do. I do miss. High V. Although the the grocery stores out here are pretty badass too, I gotta say. Yeah, because you got Fred, Fred Myers is like, it's like mini Costco. You can get everything there. 
Nice. You can get clothes and shit, but it's also mostly a grocery store. And, you know, there's a Trader Joe's up there. There's also a lot of, like, discount grocery. All right, we're not going to talk about this. We're here to do murder. Sure. Um, to do murder. <clears throat> we're here to do a murder podcast, damn it. That's, I was going to uh, say, uh, if one of the wise men uh, was, instead of a wise man, was a sarcastic... Uh, a sarcastic uh, valley girl and they say what's your president yeah. she'd say murder great I didn't fully port- I thought of that a little bit on the car ride home but I obviously didn't figure out how I wanted to word it but I was just like murder that was great Yeah, that was great thank you for that You're uh, anyway so you kind of hinted on this but basically you know, the next morning the crime's discovered and it's it's creepy the way it's discovered this make would make for a good horror movie if you know people decide to do the, the it the cops walked because out didn't they the a what? couple people that came there like one or two of the deputies walked in and we're just like nah they're just like you're right <laughs> they were you're just absolutely like, right I don't, I don't like this I didn't well that's the thing is that there were next to no just normal cops you had like the sheriff the deputy and then a couple of I I believe they were called just peace officers that were just dudes who were like volunteer firefighters basically but volunteer police officers who were unarmed who just walked around town at night like keep an eye out basically so one of these guys I think his name was Hank Horton gets alerted because um, a neighbor to the Moors they lived in the middle of the city yeah. that's the city I use very H- generously Horton here's a um, whodunit Horton here's a whodunit the names in this I, when you do like any true crime things I don't know why it goes to to show that like this happens to anybody because they're the most like normal fucking names the the case of the Beatrice six is like a, a a Nebraska thing that got done in the 80s there was a murder where six people confessed to it um, and went to prison even though DNA completely cleared them like there was no way they could have been there um, and one of the guys names they're the most normal it's like James Dean, Joseph Smith, like it's very, mm-hmm. or Joseph White, mm-hmm. I think is what his name. But anyway, um, so uh, their house wasn't a farm. You have to think of this. It's it, their house was in the middle of town. But 1912, they had a barn. They had animals. They had chickens oh, really? hanging out. They had a was, chicken coop. Yeah, I was assumed it was like on the outskirts. No, no, no. They were a very prominent and pretty affluent family. Okay. So the house is by 1912 standards is pretty large it's like a very um it's a impressive building in the middle of town it was like a sought after property it's by itself now isn't it now it's probably a bit i don't think that i'm not exactly sure i I always imagined it look it up um i like that that you're as my guest doing more research than i did um that's kind of fun but (laughs) that's how surrounding yeah. yeah, I my understanding is that it was Bill James talks about it being mostly in the center of not the direct center, but it's in town sure. is what you'd say. Um, so a neighbor kind of noticed the chickens hadn't been let out the next morning and kind of <laughs> notice how seriously. Sister, that's though, just so really funny. Lets, huh. This she woman, her name was it's funny that she noticed the chicken chickens because you know what this lady's name was? Uh, Rooster. Hen. Close. Mary Peckham. Mary Peckham. Nice. 
So uh, she uh, she noticed it. She lets the chickens out, you know, and then she calls Joe Moore's brother Ross, um, Ross Moore, uh, and Ross goes over. He's got it. He goes up to the door. It's locked. That's super. That's not something that happens in this town. People locking their doors. This is like when your grandparents are like, they never used to lock the sure. doors. This is that time. Sure. Uh, so the the good old days where whole families got you, murdered together. You got to lock the uh, doors. And there was straight, and there was no blacks. It's, it's, um, it's crazy to go on a tangent there, where it's like, because there's, and you know this, I can't remember if it's if it happens more than once, but I know there was at least one or two serial killers where it was like they only they were like they it, they it, they did like kind of a mental gymnastics thing where they were like, well, if they unlock the door, it means they want me to come in. Whereas if they lock yes. the door, that means they don't want me there, and I understand. I, but they would like say like, well, why would if they didn't want me to come in, why wouldn't they lock the door? I think there's a couple of other people of serial killers who felt that way right? or, or used that justification. Yeah. That specifically was Richard Chase's thing. Okay. Richard Chase, the, the the vampire of Sacramento, had a thing for um, blood, so he like bathed in blood and drank people's blood and stuff, mm -hmm. and he thought of himself like as a vampire. <laughs> so he said, "That's them inviting me in." Mm -hmm. Like a vampire ah, has to be because he had to go in. by vampire rules. He he was really yes, loosey goosey yes, yes, yes. with those vampire but that's, rules. Yeah, yeah, that's very loose. I would say that they leaving a door open is not a that's that's frat boy rapist rules. Yeah. It's like she did she was wearing that, so like it's bad. Yeah, but uh, basically ross and hank horton go into the house and discover a horrible horrific scene like and you're very right there was a lot of there was a couple of peace officers who were called to the scene and then were like uh -uh. and they brought in uh, a medical examiner a doctor from town whose name was doc cooper which is funny because that's my mom's maiden name yeah. and uh no relation Cooper's a very common surname. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was a big old, big old uh, thing. But a lot of people are coming in and out of this house. The scene is, you know, obviously horrific. Like you said, there was um, blankets or clothes put over all of the mirrors and windows in the house. Uh, there was uh, all of the uh, lanterns had had their chimney taken off of them. So if you think of, like, an old kerosene lantern with the little like reservoir of kerosene in the flame they take the glass thing that is around the flame he took that off so i think it would be what that does is it spreads the light out more evenly it's just a flame light yeah. instead of like a orb kind of which is it probably makes for really creepy lighting um but uh basically is specifically in, above uh, well okay let's talk about some gory shit um basically uh, Joe Moore's face was so badly bludgeoned that, uh, it took them like an hour to discover that one of his eyes was gone. Like his face was so mashed up and pulped. Um, there was a, one of his shoes was next to the bed. Um, and, uh, it, the thing that I think made people freak out and leave was that the scene got worse as the day went on because of how bumbling all the cops were. Yeah. Uh, basically Joe Moore had put his shoes next to the bed as you did in that, that time and blood had run off the bed so much that it had filled up one of the shoes and one of the cops knocked it over when they were like in looking at the scene. So then blood is then all over the, it's already all over the walls and the ceiling and shit. Mm -hmm. 
and now it's all over the floor. It's a horribly grisly scene. And they also realize that this is how they found out they use the blunt end is because on the uh, ceiling above the bed where the victims were laying, there was cuts in the ceiling. Oh. So that's from back swinging. Sure. So, but also that was only like tops, not quite six feet from the bed. So if the killer's standing on it and that's what's happening, he's got to be a short guy. Yeah. They figure that out pretty quickly. And Bill James drives that home a little bit better. I don't think they made the connection at the time, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, and uh, yeah, and they noticed that in the barn out behind the house, there is one area of hay in one of the stalls that is like depressed, like someone's been laying on it. And they notice if you lay on it, you can look through the slats in the barn and watch people coming in and out of the house. Mm-hmm. So the theory that uh, Bill James goes with that I think is accurate is whoever the person who killed the family went there during the day, saw them all running around during the church fate because that was around the house and up and down the street and waited in the barn until uh, night came. He was like, they're going to be all tuckered out. And then, oh, like, And waited, and then he he, uh, slipped into the house via a window because the only they ended up figuring that out because the only window that was uncovered was like a kitchen thing right over the sink that he had punched through, and that's also how he left. So lock the door from the inside and bounce. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, something that they didn't also didn't really notice is that all of these murders that ended up getting attributed to this guy happened near a set of train tracks and the Moore house was the closest to a set of tracks it's i think what it was was it was like the Moore property is off one of the main roads and then behind that it starts getting a bit more stickish like there's woods and stuff and stuff starts clearing out so i think as you come into town from the woods in Villisca at the time i don't know if it's still the landscape is still like this but there you got to their house first essentially and that's what it seemed like with a lot of the things talked about in the man from the train uh these killings were kind of done targeted by partially by chance and partially by what the guy thought the people represented to him as bill james kind of talks about but before we get into that let's get into how it fucked up the city um so basically local law enforcement no leads no witnesses nothing the case very quickly gets cold but not cold in the sense that no one cares. Everybody in town cared. Like, it changed the town horribly when the news of it broke because Joe and Sarah Moore were very popular in town. They were kind of community leaders. Joe Moore had his own shop where he was super popular with everybody. And the fact that kids were killed really scared everybody. And this is, of course, at a time, and it's true to this day, that most murders are committed by somebody you know over relatively trivial things so immediately everybody in town is like looking at each other thinking that that's what happened and um yeah rumors started flying and already kind of lines are getting drawn and meanwhile the family like both sarah's family and joe moore's brother and his family kind of don't have answers Mm -hmm. Um, so they take up a big collection uh, that is sponsored. The state kicks in money. The county kicks in money to hire a detective uh, to augment the case. Um, so it becomes fucked up yeah. very quickly. Well, how do you even how do you do anything back then to figure out any like 
what can you do back then to actually figure something out? Like the only thing you do, it's like that. What like cops talk about is like old school police work, which is the idea that you got to, who's the last person that talked to him. Hopefully that leads you to somebody not liking them. And then very quickly you find that person and you hope they confess or you make them confess. Yeah, I guess that what the detective did was basically like, it was probably this person because they were around kind of, well, this is where the story takes a left turn into not figuring out who killed the Moore family, and it becomes a really sad story about, like, how, you know, certain people, ex- the, the beginning, I think, of the exploitation of crime uh, for, for, for profit and uh, for, like, um, using something horrible to advance one's own situation. So, basically, the uh, private... Detect. This was pretty common back in the day for small towns to um, not have anybody at their police station who knew how to investigate anything because it, did, it didn't happen. Yeah. Murders were not a big thing uh, that happened in this. T- this is in the era. And a lot of people still think this, that where oh small towns, bad things never happen. That's something that happens in the city. And that's not ever been the case. It like I would say the most horrible here. kinds. No, no fingerprints. Yeah, so it's like... It's literally all physical. Now, I am impressed with what that Doc Cooper was able to figure out. He was able to figure out that, okay, this guy, I think, must have been kind of short. Oh, they must have used the broad part of the axe. And a lot of the information gathered from there, uh, like, was able to be used in conjunction by Bill James and people later to kind of tie a bunch more other murders into it uh but we'll get to that so basically the guy they hire from the burns detective agency which is kind of like a rival of the pinkertons at the time because that's the other thing this is 1912 1913 i think at this point oh this is a so taft is gone now is it happened in taft's america woodrow wilson (laughs) is inheriting this fucking murder it wasn't even on his watch it's like JFK with watch. the bear, 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 bear. Oh, uh, yeah, not sort of. Oh. I guess the bear happened while JFK was actually in honest. He deliberately, that was, that's one of his biggest foibles. That's why Cuban Americans hate JFK and Democrats at large. Um, I, you, you laugh, but I think that's like, if JFK is the idea of, uh, of American progressivism, that's why there are no Cuban Americans in Florida. Well, no, the blue. Cuban Americans don't like, uh, that are in Florida is because they because they don't like the the communists. They well because yeah, they took then, their but, fucking plantation. Well, also them. Kennedy is. <laughs> I I asked a Cuban buddy of mine because I was reading this book about the Cuban like mob in Florida, kind of in the seventies, who were in like the Bolito trade. Um, so it's literally it's like Scarface, but not cocaine. It's like lottery numbers. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's a fascinating book, and uh, all of the guys who started that were like soldiers in the Bay of Pigs invasion, and all of their public perception is they landed in the beach, heavily outnumbered with not the right weapons, and immediately the the U.S. never gave air support, they didn't drop any other troops, he just left them, he's like, you guys go take back your country, and have fun and as a result a lot most of them were killed or captured like you ever see um, the good the good shepherd is that what's called yeah yeah with matt damon i that movie is boring yeah here's how not great that movie is is that robert de niro directs it 
Uh, I know. It's it stars Matt Damon, Angelina Jolie, Alec Baldwin, De, De Niro, Pesci, William Hurt, uh, amongst others. Uh, Eddie Redmayne. It's, it's like oh, he must be really young in that, probably right. He's he's Matt Damon's son. Okay, yeah, I think. But it's like that's a movie that a lot of people don't even know exists, and it has yeah, like, it's about like the founding of the CIA. Yeah, yeah, about the founding of the CIA, and, and but yeah, it's just crazy that. Uh, no, but that, that one flew over a lot of people's heads. I think like Matt Damon talks about it being one of his favorites, which isn't that always the way. Well, really I'm sure it's like, like when De Niro, when the most famous actor of the last 60 years directs you in what might be is, is that maybe De Niro is one of his only movies he ever directed? He hasn't directed. Very, he made a documentary about his dad not that long ago. Really? Yeah, his dad was an artist, was a painter, like an abstract expressionist, and he was ah, gay. Really? Um, and uh, well, yeah, gay, married to Robert De Niro's wife or mother. Sorry, <laughs> uh, very much loved his mother, but realized later in life that he was gay. Um, he was unaware. It's a very interesting. But anyways, we gotta, we gotta get back. Sorry, to go ahead. Um, so basically, the guy they hire is this guy's James Newton Wilkerson. Now, Wilkerson is like an old money rich Southern gentleman. He's like. Clark Gable in fucking Gone with the Wind is how everybody sees him. He's like a refined, like, and he's also a licensed lawyer at this time. So he's a detective and a lawyer. Mm -hmm. It's pretty common. Um, so they sent Wilkerson. The Burns Agency is hired by the Moore family, the surviving Moores, and the city and county. And uh, Wilkerson shows up, but he had, Bill James makes it very clear in the book. He's like, he had no intention of solving this crime. He wanted, he saw a town that was grieving and vulnerable and willing to pool together money to pay somebody to do this. So he immediately sees that as a way to kind of take advantage of it, which is funny because it's a much more fucked up version of the plot of the music man. <laughs> That's literally the beginning of the music man is a guy comes into a small Iowa town and goes, I'm going to roll over all these rubes. Like, uh, and, but this is, there's a murder, uh, first. So basically Wilkerson starts doing investigations, which isn't, really that he starts sleeping with a lot of townswomen um, and working with the uh, newspaper to kind of publish his thoughts on the case as he has them. And after looking at everything, he comes to the conclusion that, <clears throat> which was a semi-popular like conspiracy in town already that Frank Fernando Jones hired a hitman to kill Joe Moore. And since the whole family was there, he killed them all. Mm -hmm. Um, now I think right away, it doesn't really make sense because Joe Moore and Frank Fernando Jones were kind of rivals at this point, but they, everybody in town said they didn't really hold much ill will towards one another. Like, even though Moore went and started his own thing and took a lot of his business and it did hurt uh, Frank Fernando Jones business, but it didn't uh, like his entire Jones and his whole family said, I'd never had a problem with the Moore family. Like there was no bad blood between us. Um, they were still friends, um, but that didn't really matter to Wilkerson. So what Wilkerson does is starts holding like these massive town hall meetings that kind of the way Bill James describes them in the book is that they kind of seem like, like revivalist, like tent churches, like, he's, like, that kind of charismatic, like, he's, like, a preacher. He's, you know, he's not 
going by facts. He's going by emotion. Sure. And he, he never hesitates to tell the whole town, the horrible facts of the case to like sadden them enough to believe what he's saying and get them on his side. So he's holding these things. He's got the cops convinced. He's got the Joe Moore's brother, Ross and his family on his side, basically, and starts this public slander campaign against Frank Jones out and out saying publicly which, by the way, any investigator will tell you that you don't really want to share details of an investigation, yeah, an ongoing investigation. with the public. Exactly. Because, one, if you're wrong, you're just hurting people that you're accusing. And two, if you're right, the strategy is being like actively broadcast to your potential criminal. Yeah. So either he's going, oh, I'm off, or oh, they're looking for someone like this. I'm going to do... That's like Richard Ramirez in the 80s got away from crimes because I think Diane Feinstein said it was something about dental records, like in a press conference yeah. before they caught Richard Ramirez. And then he went, oh shit, okay, um, so I got to get rid of my dental. And he did, and he killed again after that. He just went to another town. Yeah. Like, so you don't tell the public. Sure, but yes. He made it a very public thing and started the slander campaign against Frank Jones. Against which Frank didn't have... Caliendo Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Caliendo. Frank Jones. Caliendo yes, Fernando Jones. Yes. He does a really great impression of John Madden, which is weird. <laughs> I don't even think John Ooh. Madden was born yet. He's so like, gets the, the boys like, I'm going to go into oh, there's gonna go the upstairs room and boom. Blunt. Uh, fucking. <laughs> yeah. Boom. They get the, they get the mom. Ugh. They get the dad. Ugh. Boom. Boom. Ugh. They get the kids. Boom. And he puts little X's over the eyes. Like <laughs> as like. Yeah. <laughs> There is a family portrait of the Moore family. You can look it up if you want. It's very. Sad I don't want to. I don't want to put really... the faces. To... Oh, I didn't. I didn't say the names of the kids sure. either. Let's do that real quick, just to fuck Spencer. Is <gasps> uh, three boys and one girl. Herman, Mary, Arthur, and Paul um, were all killed. Those were the Moore kids. Anyways, just wanted to make you sad. Sure. And uh, then Lena and I had a Stillinger. So. Wilkerson kind of continues on this uh, weird slander thing of Jones and uh, saying that he murdered him. Now, this makes basically he said uh, he hired this guy named William Mansfield to kill the Moore family because William Mansfield had at the time been already convicted in Illinois for killing his wife and his wife's family with an axe. So... Wilkerson wasn't a dumb guy. He knew how to connect stuff, yeah. but it was kind of considered at the time. It, it ended up not working out there, but he put it all in the paper and said it like, he's like Frank Jones hired William Mansfield to kill the Moore family. And then very quickly, someone checked up on it. It was like William Mansfield was in jail in Kansas <laughs> or Missouri or something yeah. during the time of the murders. It was super, super easy to figure out. And there was no, no connection yeah, between him and that's, Jones. That's pretty bad detective work there. Like yes. someone's so literally incarcerated who you're accusing of, yeah. uh, of crime. Yeah, exactly. So he was, and also accusing this innocent guy who's trying to run a business in this small town and very convincibly doing it. And it created like a civil war kind of thing in this town. Like this town split into two factions and kids were, like, not allowed to hang out with the kids of members in another faction. Sure. So if your parents supported uh, Wilkerson's claim that Jones was a murderer, 
and my parents were buddies with Frank Jones, we we couldn't play jacks together down by the soda fountain. Yeah. Um, and that would be very we couldn't sad. couldn't run by the uh, hoop with a stick with each other. Well, it la- this lasted for years. Well, after Wilkinson Wilk- fucked off, Wilkerson, my bad, uh, left the t- town, it continued for years. And to the point where, like, even in, like, the 1970s, there was, like, descendants of these two things that were like, we don't talk to them because they supported this. Sure. Um, and I there was a, a, a I love old feuds. Blood feuds? Blood feuds are great. Like, old-timey blood feuds. Did you watch Mad Men ever? I did. That's one of my yeah. favorite things ever is when he's like, no, the kid, where the guy at the school is like, the king where he's like, talks about the Campbell's killing. And it's one of those things where you're like, oh, is this just crazy? That's and story. and that's then, the, and yeah, that's what the, the red wedding's based on. Is that that? Oh, oh yeah. The, uh, well, the red. So the red wedding is there was the noble family in Scotland. That was the Campbell's and they went after the Douglas family, which by the way is like the best, the, the outlaw was, king, that movie that was on. Oh Netflix. yeah. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson plays the Black Douglas, which is a fascinating character from medieval because he was a fucking madman. Sure. Um, and uh, that family was a noble family who tried to get the crown and was too crazy. The Douglases were like, they're, but, they're fucking. But it up. was they the opposite, wasn't it? Wasn't it the people who came who were given? I could be wrong because I remember. Yeah, they invite the Campbells, and I think invited the Douglases, the the different clans. Yeah. Clan Campbell invited. Oh, it was Douglas really Campbells too. Well, That's gonna, funny that it was. Yeah, it, it was a, the the writers of that show. Matthew Henry did that. his fucking homework. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I I think that's funny as fuck. Uh, Blood. Oh, like in the Hatfield and the McCoys, that stuff is very funny to me. They signed a peace treaty a couple of years ago, oh, really? like a symbolic peace treaty. It's like there wasn't actually a war. It's just you. You thought I killed your brother, but I didn't. Yeah. Bang 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 yeah. bang bang bang. You know, it's great. But. Anyways, yes. so there is a bunch of civil cases that resorted from this. So uh, Frank Jones sued James Wilkerson for slander, for defamation, basically. Sure. There's a bunch of silver, civil cases um, that went kind of back and forth, costing a bunch of money. And at the time, also, to keep Wilkerson in Villisca, continuing the investigation, he needs money. So every time he does one of these big revivalist like sermons, town meetings, he's passing like a hat mm-hmm. and getting money. But slowly it's starting to dwindle, and then as a last-ditch effort, he accuses George Kelly, that traveling preacher, of the murder, saying that uh, George Jones hired, or George Jones, Frank Jones hired, the the best country singer on earth is involved in this. He stopped loving her today, Um, but uh, (laughs) uh, go listen to Cocaine and Rhinestones. It's a great (laughs) podcast. Um, I've heard it. Yeah, I've heard it's very good. Basically, it's very, Peter Basil told me about it. Yeah. but he, uh, so essentially a, a civil case goes where, um, he, Wilkerson is representing George Kelly in court. George Kelly, uh, is being accused of the murders. Cause apparently he was a peeping Tom. He was peeping on the Morehouse. So he thinks that this is a good angle, but then that kind of flies in the face of Frank Jones hiring him to kill. It doesn't really ever make sense, mm-hmm. nor does it make sense that if you're investigating the case, you would then defend the accused murderer. Cause that's what he represented Kelly in court, mm-hmm. but basically try to do like the insanity plea that the guy was crazy. And that was kind of supported because he had a history of sending creepy letters to women all over the country yeah. and like this. So a lot of salacious details. Yeah. He's also married and needed his wife by him at trial. And he spent the entire trial, apparently according to Bill James crying, like laying on his wife's chest. 
in court. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty pretty yeah, gross. But good. eventually, uh, Kelly was tried for the crime and acquitted. Um, uh, but because of all the letter writing and stuff, they deemed him to be like a menace. So they sent him to live the rest of his days in a mental hospital. Oh. Um, and eventually, <laughs> Wilkerson was taken off the case um, because he kind of just dipped after this trial didn't go well. And he was found, I think in Kansas or Missouri with a, uh, the widow of a murdered man who he'd been having an affair with. Uh, and there was some speculation that he was trying to either get money from her from like an insur- life insurance payout or that he had something to do with the murder. Yeah. But in Kansas, I believe, uh, at the time adultery was a crime. So he was arrested for mm-hmm. it. And then after that, he was, you know, kind of taken off the case and he never made it back to Velisca. And I don't know what ended up happening to him long term. His trail, his story kind of goes cold after that. Um, or maybe I'm forgetting something, but you should, if anybody is interested or if you're interested, you should definitely read The Man from the Train by Bill James. It's an incredible true crime book. Does it's, he talk it's very about well researched. baseball at all? In a, maybe a little. Is he little? Spencer, I don't know. I couldn't tell you for certain, but uh, maybe a little bit. But basically, the theory put forth that I've kind of been hinting at with um, the man from the train is that uh, the theory put forth in that book is that uh, the murders in Villisca were committed by a train rail riding hobo Mm -hmm. serial killer um, by the name who's a German guy. Uh, who emigrated to America by the name of Paul Mueller. Um, he was a lumberjack by trade, so he knew how to swing an axe. He was like five foot five, so like the height thing would have worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, they think he was responsible for who, you know, acted for three decades just riding the rails, killing people. They found murders in from Washington State to Massachusetts, literally covering the entire width of the continent. Um, and I think one or two in Canada as well, but they were everywhere. And I think um, basically Bill James is, was reading about Velisca and says, you know, that's a really specific crime with really specific details. Um, I don't think somebody who knew this family would just go in in the middle of the night and kill them all and do this weird shit with the lanterns and the mirrors and the windows mm-hmm. and the bacon crease, um, the non-kosher elements. Mm. Uh, and he goes, so I think that this was a the work of a... I wonder if there are any other killings that match up to this. And he ended up finding, like, I think, like, 20 or so other cases that are exactly... And, and there's, like, the a timeline, thing. too, it's, that, like, lines up with the train and also, like... With the train and how geographically mm-hmm. it makes sense, mm-hmm. how the the specific train lines that he would have been working for clearing brush this specific oh, was he guy working for? Would I have thought lined he was just up. like train hopping no no, no he was just riding him but the he fact was... that he was a lumberjack okay. he oh, had really? work everywhere yeah. like clearing brush uh-huh. and like cutting down trees for companies so that had him he could get a job anywhere sure. so he was bound to no geographical sure. area mm-hmm. But through what now, what criminal profilers would call like his modus operandi. M.O. for those uh, dummies out there. M.O. For you dum-dums. For your non-Latin. Looking at you, Gerald. For those non-Latin speakers, M.O. For those of you who have no knowledge of that dead language. Um, Yeah, basically, I think that if all told, put it together, if 
if Mueller committed all of the murders that Bill James asserts that he does in that book, which by the way, he has other ones tied to Iowa. There was one in Marshalltown, um, on the outskirts of Marshalltown. Like the reason I wanted to do this podcast initially, I had this, the idea for this, um, and calling it murder casserole was to specifically do stuff in the Midwest. Um, you know, this is before I moved because I think people have this perception of the Midwest as being, including the people there, um, have the idea that, Oh, it's very plasticine and it's people are really sweet. And it's like, no, what is underneath all that Iowa nice is like gore. Like obviously there's, there's some fucked up cases from just the Midwest. Some of the, biggest true crime cases that you could point to btk john wayne gacy uh a bunch of them yeah so but john wayne gacy's on the docket he is on the are you gonna are you gonna do an impersonation where you say john wayne gacy things but in a john wayne voice i like hey there pilgrim dress up like a clown and is that the clown run right I, he's the yeah, clown. Yeah, I'm going to dress up I, like a clown and eat you now. Well, the idea that I'm some kind of crazed homosexual lunatic prowling the streets <laughs> for young boys is ludicrous. That's a real quote oh, really? from his death row interview. Yeah. John Wayne Gacy's voice is too fun not to improve because he's such a Chicago shitbag. Yeah. Like, he's such a Chicago uncle. Yeah. He's just like, nah, here's the thing. The only thing that they really got me dead to rights on is running a cemetery with no license. Yeah. Like he, that's exactly how yeah, he sounds. That's um, I'm waiting about 10 years till I'm the right age for when he was arrested. And then we'll do the biopic. Sure. Where I can yeah. Play. The mustache uh, is, is similar. The mustache works. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, he, he, he lived in Waterloo. I went to college in Cedar Falls. Go. The right Nick. I, I think I ate at one of the KFCs he managed. Wow. If they he still managed exist. The KFC, that's very um, funny. That's what he did in Iowa. His father-in-law bought him three. You're not on the sorry, game. Sorry. You're getting distracted. Are we, are we going to talk about ghosts at all? Are we going to talk about the weird ghost stuff with the Bliska Let's talk about the, we're going to have to take another break, okay. but we, 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 we'll, but yeah, why not? But I want to get into this. Um, basically the, the numbers. So Bill James noticed that a lot of these other murders across country starting in like the late 1800s and going into like the 1930s, like I was saying, um, basically a lot of them had the same things. Whereas, Oh, the other thing that did in the Morehouse was after murdering them, he took the covers and covered up the body completely. Mm -hmm. So if you went in, it just like lumps on the bed. There's, you couldn't see the gore except for like when it seeped through, I assume, but, uh, Ooh, that's gross. But, um, yeah, essentially he noticed that that type of stuff, the chimney, the dents, the cuts in the top of the, in the, in the ceiling and the like blankets on the mirrors and windows and stuff and, uh, the barn and the proximity to the railroad. These are all things they notice. So the, the numbers is that if James's estimates are right, um, it means that this guy, uh, committed about 95 murders killed about, which would make him like the most one of the highest numbered serial it's certainly in american history the highest one in terms of numbers are all in like south america because their infrastructure's fucked and nobody can record them all there's people who've killed like 300 girls down there um but because of that uh james goes really far to point out that there are a lot of uh people who were uh tried and convicted 
and in many cases executed for these crimes, probably falsely. There was a lot of people who, because of the nature of the crimes, it inflared the town so much that uh, guys who were accused of it immediately, who were oftentimes like, in a couple of cases, it was a guy's family was murdered when he was out of town. So his wife and kids got got, and then they immediately accused him. As which was the case. At the time, a lot of times, if a family members get killed, it's usually sure. someone in the family. Sure. That holds, like I said, holds true to this day. But in a couple of those cases, I think, I don't know. Can you imagine how horrible ones. that would be? Oh, and, and what I mean get, is, what like, I mean is, you get to be free from your family for a millisecond. And then you get in trouble for it. It's like, ah. <laughs> it's like all worst. your responsibilities are gone. You're the for worst. For a second. We're going to talk about ghosts. Yeah, we're going to talk about ghosts, exactly. So what do you know ghost-wise about this? A lot. In fact, I just watched... uh, There's a show called Strange America on YouTube. Mm -hmm. That my friend Nick, his friend is Chris. uh, He he uses a show where they go to just like weird... Like, they go to weird places like the Clown Cemetery Hotel place. And like... Oh, in Chicago? No! I don't know where that was, oh, that's at. but it's like a cemetery, and then there's a clown hotel, and it's creepy. Um, was one of them. Oh, I like and that. And then the the Denver airport, a bunch of places. But anyway, they went to the Bullisca. The Denver airport is. You don't know the, about strange. the conspiracy theory stuff with the the Denver airport. There's okay. lots of weird like New World Order st- stuff. I've been to the Denver. Airport. There's like an underground thing that has a lot of weird murals. And there's like a <laughs> there's like a stonemason. They exhibit. And there's, oh, and the, they're they got they're in everything. And and then the the horse is really that's outside. There's like the giant horse with the blue laser eyes and like there's a bunch of stuff that's weird there. But like there's some murals that look really strange where there's like guy with like AK-47 with like a gas mask and like it, a lot of weird. If you type in Denver Airport just, murals, yeah, we got that in Portland. We call him Greg. Sure, sure, sure. But no, no. So <laughs> yeah, so. One of the things that I thought was really interesting, this is like like five or six years ago, was like a ghost hunter guy went there and he like stabbed himself. I don't know if this is the same guy, but there was a guy that like stabbed himself there. Uh, and then he like, he had to get like life flighted and he like died a couple times. And then he went back later, like year, a year or two later and like apologized to like the house. Because he was like, because because oh some God. people have you know said they get like possessed there or something, and I think that's what it's like. Oh. Like when he went there the time when he stabbed himself, he was like to the guy was like, "I'm really gonna let this house have it tonight or something," and then he ended up stabbing. So I don't, I think he's, I can't remember if he says he does or doesn't remember anything, but then he came back to like be like, oh. "I am sorry, house that I did whatever yeah. I did." Well, it. It's always a good question, like, who is haunting that space? Is it the... Because I've heard the thing... I had a book, and I still have it somewhere. It might be at my mom's house. I had a book called Your Iowa Road Guide to Haunted Locations. So it was this book of... There was one for every county, so there was 99, like, hauntings, basically, um, throughout Iowa. So there's, you know, 99 cases and Velisca was a big sure. one. And that was one that had the, obviously the longest entry. Cause like we've been talking about for an hour and 16 yeah, yeah. minutes, there's a lot in the, and they didn't, I don't even think that book got into the whole Wilkerson shit. Um, but 
the thing that I heard was if the dare is to, if you stay in the house overnight, you're supposed to see the murders happen as if like a, like a ghostly kind of premonition of them happening. Now, what I've heard from people who have actually been there is that I have heard, read some accounts of like orbs. Yep. I've heard orbs. I've heard the, know, the, in the, the meter, whatever things be like, and, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. and this was before uh, they, it has electricity now, but like Nick Butler has been there multiple times. And the first time I think it was oh, before they had electricity even in the house at all. And so it was like things where it was like, were you know, orbs and like weird magnetic things. And then like, uh, Things where like batteries were full for like cameras or laptops and just like immediately like going out. Uh, like. That's always a thing. Well, and the, and I... the weirdest thing though, the, the creepiest thing he said was like when they were upstairs, because they would hear like footsteps and stuff. But as him and somebody else were upstairs, and they said that like at the at the end of the hallway, uh, like in in the the doorway, like a little tiny figure, like was going like like poking kind of it looked like a like a like a, like well, a silhouette like a a staticky dark silhouette was like poking its head out from the thing yeah yeah and like go and like would poke and then kind of go back and then do it again and it was two people at the same time and they both and one of them was like are you seeing what i'm seeing right now and it was yeah i want to go now it's, so I'm, bad I'm, i think maybe I the next time i'm back home it's scared like i said it's scared fucking that shit scares me People always like make it's, fun of you, like, "Oh, you're scared." I'm like, "Yes, I'm fucking scared." Are you kidding? Yeah. The unknown. It's obj- yeah, but it's fun. That's mm-hmm. what's fun about it, you know? Because you get to, and there's something in a, a like a, I don't know. There's some legitimately scary things that are, you know, provably terrifying in the world right now. Yeah. So this idea that the idea of the unknown, maybe it's scary. Maybe it's just this place where this horrible thing happened, which is always the the conclusion that people make. Like, you know, on these ghost hunting things, like if it's a murder house, like people have stayed the night in the Amityville house. And like, honestly, the thing that you realize when you stay here, if you know why it's scary, is just that the it's just sad that an entire family died here. Like, you know, it's just sad, less than it's scary. Um, I don't know. I like that type of stuff. I wonder, because I know that people who own the house to this day, they operate it like a tourist, like a like a B&B. Like, you can stay there. Yeah. You can pay yeah. to stay there for a night. Um, I wonder. I know it came under semi-new ownership fairly recently, I think. Um, it's changed hands a few times. I believe it was owned, like, by someone in town for a while. Probably bought it at an auction, I would imagine. That seems to be how, like true crime things happen as they put it for public all especially in small towns that's what they did with ed gein's place um there's a lot of parallels between i wonder more because i just read a book about ed gein because we're gonna do him on the podcast pretty soon we're recording him with a local guy tomorrow so um that'll be fun keep 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 an eye i think this will probably come out after that so disregard um (laughs) but uh any rate it was really cool uh the whole idea of Ed Gein is like the town where he lived and committed all of his crimes, Plainfield, Wisconsin, like hates that they are known as Ed Gein, that that's what they're known for. I think Villisca, while I have not been there, and if you're from Villisca or if you know anything about it or if you have lived there, know anything, it, it, Bulldog Podcast at Gmail, I want to hear how like old timers in town think about it and you know talk about this murder and stuff 
because uh, oh yeah, I got I got a text. I mean, how many people have listened? It's probably like it's probably less than like a thousand, right? Uh, I believe at the time of the murder, it was like eleven hundred or something. Uh, was eleven hundred thirty-two at the time? Oh, this was twenty twenty. Okay, well it's gone down. Um. Oh, and it was twice as much. Yeah, then. So a hundred years ago, uh, or a hundred and ten. Oh yeah, no, this twice like, as big. Killed the town. What? Yeah, yeah. it kind of killed the town. Sure. Like in a weird. It. it, it um. Villisca, I think, at the time was the county seat of Montgomery yeah, County, okay. and it's not anymore. Um, I, I could be wrong about that, yeah. but, uh, it, it messed up the town, like economically as well. People stopped wanting to live there. Sure. Obviously a bunch of people moved to get away from the drama. Well, I think people um, wanted to live there, but I think they didn't want to die there. If you had a mic, you should drop it. Oh, you should, baby. <laughs> cause that was pretty, this is why I wanted to have you on. Cause I wanted the, I wanted the quips, yeah. I wanted the lines. I think the but, vitamins um, have been helping. I hope I like because I'm feeling wittier lately. I'm feeling more. That's good. Just, have you been Have you been hitting the mics? Have you been doing the mics? Uh, not as much. Sometimes I'm I'm in dry January right now too, so I haven't been. I've just been avoiding downtown all Yeah. So. I did um try try to do dry January last year. Uh, I, I had because I got wasted on New Year's and I was like I don't want to. I'm going to try to do dry January. Sure. And then um, I got COVID again. Sure. <laughs> sure. Uh, I tested positive. I don't know if I really had it. I don't know. I tested positive sure. for it, so I quarantined for I mean, a positive. I was like, okay, a, I can do. A false positive is way less likely than a false negative, I believe. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I think I'm familiar with that. But uh, <laughs> I did dry January and then I was able to do it through COVID. And then I had like two more days left on my quarantine and COVID. And my mom called and she's like, your grandma died. Um, and I'm like, oh, fuck. And then I, I was like, I'm a- after the funeral. I was like, I'm drinking again. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but yeah, no. So anyway. Oh, one thing I wanted to talk about is that there is a link in this case between um, another unsolved case that I think we're going to do. Uh, I want to talk about on this podcast later. Cause it's a European one. Yeah. Um, sometime after this, it was the 1920s. There was a really horrible murder that went unsolved as well. Officially unsolved as Velisca is. Although I think it's safe to say that I, this German dude did it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill James also kind of puts forth that maybe he was involved. He might've went back to Germany, which is why he was never convicted in America and they never found out who he was. And maybe he didn't stop killing when he went back to the fatherland yeah. and maybe he was responsible because there's similarities in the uh, murder scenes to the Hinterkaifeck murders, which were these murders that happened in this remote farm in Northern Germany. Um, and an entire family was killed with not an ax, but a mattock. A mattock? Do you know what a mattock is? Uh, I don't. What is a mattock? It's kind of like a, you know how there's pickaxes? Sure. It's kind of like a pick all. Okay. You know, the AWL, the all thing that's used for like stripping bark from shit. Yeah, maybe. It's like a hooked blade oh, okay. that you sure. cut down with. And then the other end of a mattock has a pick. So it's for like hoeing fields. But um, because it was found, it belonged to the family. And all of the axes used in the man from the train murders were all, all of them were owned by the family. Paul oh, Mueller's man. thing was yeah. he just... 
He just went on to properties, found the axe, because all of these houses in night in the early 1900s, late 1800s, most of these places he was going were, while they weren't all farms, back in the day, you still yeah, had wood-burning stoves, so you had to chop yeah. wood. So there was axes usually just lying around, like right inside the door. So he would break in, find the axe, and that's what he would use. He didn't travel with an axe, which I think is really interesting. That would be kind of conspicuous. Um, I wonder, well, the axe man of New Orleans apparently carried his around. Carried his around? That's what I got to do. That was another There's a lot of, I I don't know how you don't. No, that's the thing. It's you can't nowadays. I don't think you could not get arrested for using an axe. It's so messy and it's not instant. It's repeated hits. So you hit someone and then they're going to start fucking yelling. Like there's going to be probably witnesses. And let's be honest. You're not as strong as you think anyone I'm not speaking to you. I mean, Spencer. if you go for that, if you go above the neck and above, that probably would only take one. Yes, but. I think if you go, I, you'd have to. I, I, you go for the neck and the the yeah, you're, this soft muscle. You're there's no bone. You're done so. But I agree. If you're not, if you're not being precise and kind of just like ah, then it would. Probably yeah, this is not an endorsement no. to go kill someone with an no. axe. By the way, don't do that. Want to be sure? Look. Just because we're talking about the most efficient way to do it doesn't mean you should take the yeah. next step. Look. Don't, don't take the, the next, next step. step. Um, sure, fell alive but... when you got those squirrels, didn't it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is in the next step. Uh, no, I love a. Uh, but yeah, this is an interesting thing. I I don't know. Let's go to Velisca together. Let's. I'm sure me. when you're no longer in dry January, well, I'm sure there's a bar in town now because it can't be dry anymore that town um it's so weird to me that parts of iowa were prohibitionary before prohibition um because my experience living in iowa is that people love to get fucked up yeah but there's weird religious pockets it's like uh that's very like for a while whatever luther college county is like where decorum oh yeah when i was in when i was in college i'm pretty sure that for like a hot minute, like condoms weren't legal in the county or something like that, where it was like birth control, like wasn't. That's hilarious. I, know I need to look this up, but I swear it was something like that. That's horrible, like you but couldn't hilarious. buy condoms in. in uh... That's just irresponsible in a college town because they're going to fuck no matter yeah. what. I would love to then see a correlation that Luther College has like the highest dropout rate because they're not getting abortions. Sure. If they can't have condoms, they're not. I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I could. Of. I thought that that was a thing. I couldn't. That would be very I funny to me. Ask, ask, yeah, ask, you know Daniel Frana. Ask Daniel Frana. He's from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I want to have Frana on the pod. I think because we can Maybe just come have him sit. What? Because I'm doing. I'm trying to do fifty-fifty with this, where we have somebody on Zoom, somebody in person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I've met a lot of, there's a lot of really funny people out here in, in the old Portland, uh, including Frana. Yeah. I've hung out with Frana at a couple mics. You guys are both it's in nice the same to town. You're both Irish. You guys can talk about, yeah, the Irish Catholic. You guys can talk about we showed potatoes up. and fucking, fucking, you know, 
we we showed up to a mic. We we texted each other, and I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna go to this mic at this this place called Firkin." Uh, here in town and we showed up and we were wearing like the inverse of each other we, I think we were both wearing hats we both have glasses and I was wearing a white t-shirt with a band on it and he was wearing a black t-shirt with a band on it and we were both wearing jeans and sneakers and we went I think back to back and both like started talking about how we were from Iowa so we had to look rather rubish sure. I'm sure but uh but yeah, so that's that's kind of the that's kind of the story. How'd, how'd you like that, Spencer? This is fun. I had fun. <laughs> I mean, it's a horrific story, and it's very sad, and it's uh, it's yeah. messed up. I should have just asked if you had fun. You you made it sound better. You, I'm glad you didn't lead with. Well, I'm sad. Yeah. now, but your voice kind of said it. I've, I've no, I've well, and I think. Uh, I, I don't want to say I'm desensitized to it, but this is one, like I said, like you said, like I am familiar with everything. So I think the fact that I've like already heard things. Yeah. You were, you like everything you were saying, like I'm sure the first time I heard it, I'm like, yeah, oh boy. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to gross you out. It's not sure. like I'm, uh, you know, a, uh, uh, I'm not trying to, I mean, that's not what I'm going I, for. And I wasn't I'm saying you were, to... I'm just saying my reaction would be different if I wasn't acquainted. Ah, I feel you. No, I liked it. I like, part of this is, I kind of liked it for this, this, cause this is the first one we're recording. So I'm kind of, I, I enjoy that. I'm happy that you had at least like a passing knowledge of it. Yeah. You know, and that didn't ruin it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, it was fun. It was, like I said, it was fun. It's, it's interesting. It's, uh, I, I love talking about those things, even though they scare me and I'm and, and they're weird. But like, it was especially the ghost part. That's actually what's weird is I'm I'm far more like you love the murder story. I'm so much more yeah. interested in in like and then ghosts. in the ghost. Like when I'm just like, all right, let's talk about. Oh, I'm ghosts. well. I, okay, well, at the pa- when when you come back, I'll find a ghosty all story right. for you. But I, I have to talk about the murder because sure. it's not called ghost casserole. Sure, sure. When we do ghost ghost cornbread that which will be your podcast we can do more ghost heavy content is that, that cool? would, that'd be cool i was trying to think of a good uh uh oh, I, I think ghost cornbread is pretty solid Ghost cornbread ghost uh corn gosh i'm trying to put boo into some something boo uh bad and Bougie. <laughs> Bad and people of means. Uh, people of means getting murdered is bougie. bougie. The, the ghosts of middle class, middle upper class people. Go- I like ghosts of middle class. You could just call it ghost of the middle class, and then people think it's you know a serious like NPR kind of you know. Like Ronald like Reagan became economic. president, and then. But no, it's it's the ghosts. The ghosts. It's just middle class yes. ghosts. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I gotta let you yeah. go. I gotta I gotta we gotta we gotta wrap up, That's all right. Fine. But this was fun. I'm glad you had fun. Yeah. Thank you for coming. And let's That's let's funny. let's it's good to see good you. To see you and let's let's go we could stay in the murder house together. Why don't we do that? Maybe. I'm not even, all right, I'm let's, not let's I'm stop. not paying to stay in the a murder house. Like I need to we'll be convinced to go there. We'll get it when 
this is what we'll put out in the universe now than this first recording is that if you sponsor this podcast, it's going to make Spencer uncomfortably staying in a we, murder house for yeah, a night. We would need to and maybe, would, maybe that would be a Patreon it too. episode. That's the other thing. Cause like if I end up, if something weird happens, we'll I end up dying. If I fucking want it documented. Cause I don't want to just die. I want it to be, I yeah, want it to well, be a what good, it would be. cool documentary if I end up fucking. We'd probably end up stabbing each other That's, like the guy. It's just if it's one more, we'll probably end up, yeah. But that'll be a good end to you and I me. Yes. You know, we'll have to just leave it to find out, you know, when that happens. Mm. All right. All right. Well, let's let's sign on. off. All right. Thanks for being on. Yeah. Good luck with the murder casserole. Aw, you're so sweet. Thanks, Spencer. Yeah.